Um, well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. I have my father here today. Love you, Dad, and so many spiritual fathers, Steve and Travis. Um, so it's just I was thanking the Lord. I was like, you know, each father here um, in my life has deposited something in me and the reason why I'm here today standing. Um, so thank you to my dad, Travis and Steve. Y'all have spoken into my life and um, I have my heavenly father here. So I am one really loved girl. So, <laughs> um, but why don't y'all give your hands for all the fathers here. You guys do an amazing job um, loving your children. I get to watch it and it's so special to see the fathers at the awakening. You guys carry something very special um, and what God has called you to and I know you have the call to war but like how you war for your children says so much about you um, and what God has given you so um, I just bless y'all today so this word I feel like I have to share from the Lord has been building inside of me for the past few months and he's kind of just layered it um, and so it started off with one of the words God I was spending time with him and he had just told me, he was like, come back to my bosom. Like, just come back to this place of intimacy like never before. And Travis, if you missed his message last Sunday, it was so good on being clothed um, in the Holy Spirit in the comfort of God um, and just hugging Jesus. He had this beautiful picture of um, us giving a hug to Jesus and him hugging us back. And so in this relationship with God, I, I saw myself and I was sitting on his lap in his bosom and all of a sudden he showed me this picture and he had opened up his like garments, his like royal robe and it was me and all these people were hiding underneath him and he was like, my bosom, I want you to come back to my bosom and I want you to abide in my shadow, like get underneath my wings. And so um, I feel like that is so in the Lord's heart right now. Um, and also uh, with this vision, when I was on his bosom, I got this sense of all of heaven was watching me in this intimate moment I was having with the Father. And it was all the angels, all the, the living creatures, and they were just staring at us in this like awe and wonder. And I, and I feel like the Holy Spirit was like, Brittany, all of the angels, all of the creatures of heaven, they understand God as judge, as creator. Like they see these things, but there is something special about his child that only we get the intimacy with the father, that we understand what God is as a father. Only his children get to know that relationship. And I feel like heaven marvels at it because I feel like also the Holy Spirit said that heaven knows that that's God's favorite job is to be a father. Out of all the things that God is, he loves being a father. So today I just pray that the Lord would be upon me to communicate his heart and just the father's heart today. Um, even this morning as I was praying, God was like, if you want to know my heart, look at Jesus on the cross. And I just saw God like take his heart out of his chest. And then it was like the image of Christ on the cross, like bloody, wounded for love for us. And so if you ever want to know what God's heart is, it is always Jesus. Like he put it on display for us, for the world. And they mocked it and they didn't want any part of it. And God unveiled himself to us in the most horrible way that we could imagine the pain and suffering of Christ for love for us. And so that's his heart today. It's such a good reminder to always be reminded of the cross that that's our foundation is Jesus. Um, so today, my title for my sermon is The Condition of Your 
position. And so we're going to be talking about our position under the shadow of the Almighty. So I'm going to be talking through two passages of Scripture. So y'all follow me because I'll be reading Psalm 91 and we'll be in Acts. And so if you want to get your Bibles out, I'm going to get a sip of water. I feel like this is a Psalm 91 season where if you aren't familiar with this psalm, that this is where God wants us to dwell out of. This is the psalm that we're really going to need, I believe, in seasons to come. And not that we just read it, but we've hidden it in our heart and we live out of this psalm and we take its truths as our own. Um, and a couple months ago, I had preached on the Lord recommissioning his church. So this a season of us giving our fresh yes to the Lord, that he was shifting around the church. And now I feel like he's getting us in position. And so that's where we're starting off with, um, is that he's like, okay, you've given me your yes, and now I'm calling you to get into position. And we're going to talk through what this position looks like. So we're going to read first Acts 1-4. And this is Jesus with the disciples after he had already died, been risen again. And he says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And then now we're going to flip over and go to Psalm 91. And we're going to declare this um, and let it go forth throughout all of Athens this morning. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So how do we position ourselves in the Lord? It's really simple. We trust, love, and obey. That's how we get into position of God. We trust him because Psalm 91 says that those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High say, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Right? So first we have to trust. That's how we get into position. We say, God, we trust you above anything else, above what I can perceive my ways what I think is good, that we trust you for your will. Love, because in the New King James Version, I love it in ver the last verse, it says in 14, because it says, because God himself shows up in the psalm and says, because he has set his love upon me. 
I will deliver him. So it's an act of setting our love upon the Lord. That's how we position ourselves. Wherever you go, um, Bill Johnson has this story where he had this favorite um, grocery store that he would go and visit. And he, before he went in there, every single time, he would just set his love upon the Lord and just stand there and say, God, I just set my love before you and set it upon you. And he wouldn't go in until he either felt heaven come or he became aware of it. And so one day, the owner of the grocery store pulled him aside and said, you are so different. I don't know why, but every time you come in here, there's something different about you. And you know what it is? It's because you've set your love upon the Lord. And it was like, that's what, you know, and I've been practicing that. So I encourage you guys that whenever I go somewhere, I'm like, Lord, I just set my heart upon you. And it really has been changing my life. Like conversations are different. When I go somewhere, when I go into the city, like different things start happening because I've set, I've positioned my heart to have affection on the Lord. And then it also creates bind or blinders for us. You know, if you've set your affection and positioned yourself to love the Lord, then it's nothing else can get my attention because I've set my love on God alone. And so nothing can tempt me away because Satan's going to try. I and mean, we see that in Psalm 91, that he's going to try to distract you, to steal your affections, but position yourself for affection on the Lord um, obedience, because here we see in Acts 1, Jesus commands his disciples, he says, wait in the city until the promises of God will be fulfilled. So wait for the promises to come. Don't go before the Lord. So we have to be obedient to what God's asking us to do. Because the disciples had, at this point, they could have gone out into the city and shouted in the rooftop, but God had a bigger purpose. So we have to be obedient even if it doesn't make sense or we get so passionate or we want to do things for the Lord, but it's okay to wait and be obedient to what God's asking you to do. So trust, love, and obedience equals surrender. So how we position ourselves in the Lord and how we dwell in the shelter of the Almighty is that we surrender ourselves completely unto Him in every possible way that he's asking us to, and that's through trust, love, and obedience. Um, position is so important to God. Um, one of my favorite verses is 2 Chronicles 6, 9, and it says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking, and he's like, who's in position? Who's in position that I can release my promises through? And he's just looking around the earth who set their love upon him so that he can pour out his promises. And he's wanting to get us in this place. He's looking for those whose hearts are saying, God, you may feel like you're not in position, but as long as your heart is saying, God, put me in position. I want to be ready for you. I want to be ready for the days to come. I want to be ready for revival. I want to be ready for your spirit. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it when you come. Because God wants to inhabit with those who have already inhabited with him. So we talk about habitation, but if we've only visited the Lord, we're only going to know a visitation. But if we've already known what habitation looks like because we've positioned ourselves and dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, that when God comes to inhabit, we're not going to miss it. You're not going to risk revival. You're not going to miss the pouring out of his spirit because it's already going to be so familiar to you. The voice of God will be familiar to you. It's not going to be confusing because God is looking for those people because when revival comes and when a spirit is poured out, there's going to be opposition. 
And there's going to be lots of voices. We've already seen that in this past year of just so much noise. And God is saying that those who are in position with me, they're going to see me. They're going to know me. They're going to know what's me and what's not me because so much deception is going to come. So we're going to know the Lord by dwelling in him, and we will know the counterfeit when it comes. Um, Those who position themselves receive the promises of God. So like I said earlier, he's waiting to release promises through you. Like, there are so many promises in the Bible and words in heaven, words over our city that are just getting, that are ready to be released and activated by the Holy Spirit. And God wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through those who dwell in him. And it's one thing to just have a word, but it's one thing to declare the word. God didn't just have light happen. How much more powerful was it when he said, let there be light? So he wants us to declare his word, to declare his promises. Um, And position attracts God's providence for his promises. So Psalm 91 is all about this. So providence is the definition, the protective care of God as a spiritual power. And it also can mean timely preparation for future eventualities. And so Position attracts this providence of God. So Psalm 91 is all about the believer positioning himself unto God. And then what happens? God releases all of the providence, right? That the arrow that flies by day, you'll be protected from. The plague, the plagues of judgment, you'll be protected from. So how we position ourselves today prepares us for God's providence for our, that we need for tomorrow, So he knows the arrow that's going to fly. He knows the enemy's plans. He knows the pestilence that's going to stalk in the darkness in the days to come. We already witnessed that in COVID, right? God knew that wasn't a surprise to the Lord. And he wants those who dwell in him to be ready for those times. God's shadow is his providence. Things happen in this shadow. We are protected. We're loved. We're healed. We're delivered. It's where the power is. It's in the shadow of the Almighty, and we become like the thing that we shadow. So Peter's shadow shadow held power to heal because he was positioned himself in the shadow of Christ, the one who could heal. So to the world, living in somebody else's shadow is a bad thing, right? They're like, you don't want to live in somebody else's shadow, but that's pride, because we want to live in the shadow of Christ. Because what does that mean when you live in somebody else's shadow? That person is exalted more than you. And we want Christ to be exalted. So we, that's why we dwell in the shadow of God. Because Christ is there. You know, a sh- what causes a shadow is that something is blocking light. Well, Jesus stands in the gap between us and God. And that when we are walking and dwelling in the Lord, Christ is magnified. And that's all that we want. A.W. Tozer says, we get our moral bearings by looking at God. We must begin with God. We are right when and only when we stand in a right position relative to God. And we are wrong so far and so long as we stand in any other position. So it's not always about if you wait, but how you wait. We're all going to have seasons of waiting on the Lord. But that doesn't mean that we always have a successful season of waiting on the Lord. God is just as important. He sometimes will make us wait longer just so that he can teach us how to wait 
when we wait, how he wants that to look like. And he said, I feel like the Lord's just telling us, don't get out of position. If you're in a season of waiting on the Lord, don't get out of position. He's got you right where he wants you. And he's moving things around. He's shifting things in your life. And it may not always make sense and you can't see it, but God's doing it. And he's getting you in position to receive more of who he is and getting ready to release things into your life. So if the disciples would have got antsy and they wouldn't have been obedient, they would have missed it. They probably just, well, actually, they probably wouldn't have missed it. God just, they would have waited longer to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and probably failed in their, like, trying, you know, when we're in our flesh. But God knew so much more because he wants to prepare you for what he has for you. And that's always more of the Holy Spirit to give you everything you need for that next season. So don't rush out of that waiting. Um, So the position of a horse in the starting gate is so significant in how they actually run the race. So that positioning of the horse in the starting gate in a horse race is just as important as what the jockey does when the horse is actually racing. Um, And Jeremiah, the Lord says, if you've raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? So I feel like God is saying, learn to position yourself now because when I release my spirit, you're going to be racing with horses. Like he's getting us ready. He's strengthening us. He's preparing us. Times are coming where the preparation preparation of our position now will determine how well we will run when God says go and he releases you out of that starting gate. So where have you been waiting? And look and see, God, how am I waiting? Can I position myself into you under the shadow that I will be ready for whatever you have next? So... Satan brings opposition to those who are in position. So expect opposition. So if you are facing any spiritual warfare or opposition, it probably means you're in the right position that God has you. So don't fight against it. Don't think it's just all the enemy, but it could be just the Lord wanting to prepare you for something. And so that's why after verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 91, it is all about the enemy coming and attacking. It's about the fowler's snare. It's about all these plagues, these these hard things that the enemy throws at us, that he's coming to oppose the person that dwells in God. And he is going to try to get you out of position. But you resist and you hide in that shadow because God promises deliverance every single time. He promises protection. That's where the providence is. So don't let him trick you out of your position. Don't let him distract you out of your position, out of your stance there. Because it'll be so easy So just stay and just rest there. Um, And so Jesus, I love, you know, Satan actually quotes Psalm 91 when he tempts Jesus because he, I believe he knew the power of it, that this is actually one of the most powerful Psalms that we have against the enemy and his weapons against us. But Jesus didn't fail in his temptation so that we actually get to inherit this promise for real, that it's not just something in the Old Testament, but that we get all of these promises in it. That God will save you from the fowler snare every time. A righteous man may fall seven times, but God will help him up and he will get up each and every time. So if you're in that place where maybe you've felt like you've fallen out of position from the Lord or you haven't been dwelling in that place, God is saying, just come right back. Come right back because I want to protect you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to protect you from the enemy. That doesn't mean we won't have pain and suffering. That's not what Psalm 91 is talking about. 
but he wants to protect us from what we're really fighting against, which is the authorities and the principalities that are in the heavenlies and against the judgments that God will release in time and in seasons. And so in November, um, last November during the election, it was so much, there was race, all this stuff was happening in our nation, in my personal life. Um, God gave me this word, and it's cool to see how this season lots of people have had the same word. Um, and I saw a picture of a chessboard, and I knew it was, the. I felt like it was the Lord um, and Satan in this chess game. And he says, it may look like the enemy has me in check, that there are no moves that look like a victory, but I make new moves, moves that ensure my victory. I will have the checkmate. Watch and see my deliverance for you, the nation, and my church. And so it's like sometimes in our life, we don't understand the chessboard, right? Like it's like there's no moves, God, you can make where you've positioned moves in ways that I can't see a victory, whether it's in your personal life, the nation, the church. But God is saying that even though it doesn't make sense, I'm making new moves when you let me position you so that there will be deliverance for my church and the nation. You will see my revival if you trust me even when it doesn't make sense, and that he's going to have the checkmate on the enemy, whatever situation it is, that God always wins. And so that's why we trust, love, and obey him and surrender all to him because he knows what he's doing. He's like, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Position yourself in me. Walk in my shadow. So, what happens when this happens when we get into position? Because a mighty display of God's power happens when people get into position. That's why it's so important God's doing this shifting right now. And he's calling you back to his bosom. He's calling you in for those hugs. He's calling you up the mountain, like Travis said, because he's getting ready to release his power like never before. And we see this in Acts. So we know what happens, right? When they waited and they surrendered and they trusted is that the, God's promise of the Holy Spirit was poured out in power and they spoke in other tongues and we saw miracles and all of these things. And so I believe this is happening. And this is going to happen of just more of things we've never seen before. But right now, let God get you in position and it might be uncomfortable and you might have to say no to a lot of things or relationships or ideas about who God is. You know, sometimes we like to say we can put God in a box, but I don't believe we ever put God in a box. We put ourselves in a box. And it just limits what we can do. It never limits what God can do because God is God. But when you do that and when you just don't see God for who he is and you don't live in that shadow, we can limit the power that he wants to flow through us. And so when I can even do this in myself, like when we get in our mind and we let lies of the enemy just ruin our lives and not believe the truth of God, we limit the power to flow inside of us by our choice. And so God, I think, is positioning our hearts. He's positioning our minds. He's renewing our minds in this season so that when it comes, that we're going to know truths from lies and that the old ways of the enemy aren't going to be able to be used against us anymore. So if you've been battling something 
that has kept you in bondage for year after year, it's like an old tactic of the enemy. Maybe it's the same thing that keeps popping up. I believe God wants to pour out his power and put you in position where those old arrows, they won't be able to hurt you anymore. They're not going to be able to attack you anymore. Those old snares, you're going to see it from a mile away and say, I know that snare, and you're going to be able to walk around it. That's what happens for those who are in position for God to release his power to. Um, So this was a great quote from Bill Johnson that I heard from one of his books. The gospel isn't good news without power. So we need the power of God in our life. Matthew 22, 29, Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. It's because the Pharisees weren't in position. They weren't in position to surrender to God's word, his authority, so they didn't know his power. They were not in position to receive his own Messiah. So again, power is coming to those who are in position. And I feel like the Lord is saying that it's also coming with a sound, that his power in your life is going to come with a sound and that you need to be ready to hear it. So even the horse in the starting gate, they wait for the sound of the gun to go off. And David, he waited until there was a sound of marching in the treetops. And so just wait for the Lord. I feel like even the disciples, there was a rushing wind that came. It was a sound. And then the power of God came. So wait for his voice. Wait for the Lord to speak. Wait for him to give you a word because he wants to speak to you. If you're in a place where I even feel like right now, if you're in a place where you feel dry and you feel like you haven't heard from the Lord or, you know, the scriptures aren't speaking out to you, I feel like that God wants to say that's about to change. You hold on to me and you stay into position because I'm coming for you and he's going to open up your ears and your eyes to see scripture and the word like never before. So if you felt like scripture has been boring or you've not received things from it, I feel like God wants you to stay. So when he pours out his spirit, you're going to have revelation like you've never had before of the word of God. And it is going to be activated in your life. You're going to start declaring it and things are going to happen, especially for our body at the awakening in the city when we do that. Um, and so what happens when this power is released? Paul says, I pray that you in Ephesians 1:19, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. So when we experience the power of God, we become an advertisement for God's power. Like that's what Paul is saying. The more we know, the more we experience God's power, when you dwell in that secret place with him and you start encountering him, you encounter his voice, you encounter the glory, the weighted glory, the more that you become an advertisement for the voice of God, that same voice that you hear in the dwelling place, you become an advertisement for the healing that you yourself received, the deliverance you yourself received. You become an advertisement for the glory that you've experienced. So that's why he's wanting to position us to dwell underneath him so that we can be an advertisement from this power in the city, in our nation, 
again, if, if we, and this is something that I'm learning myself, is that if I'm sharing the gospel and there's no power attached to it, then is it really good news to the person that I'm sharing it with? If I'm praying for people and, you know, I'm not seeing these things of the Lord that I know that he has, then it's like I want people to know when they get the gospel or when we pray for them that it is good news because God's power is backing us up. And I believe that this is going to happen, that the power of God will be so released in our life that we are an advertisement for this power. Um, and then verse 20 says, this, this is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. So this power is resurrection life and is the exaltation of Christ as the supreme authority in heaven and earth. This is what the power of God does, is it exalts Christ. It raises us up from the dead. It makes us alive in Christ, and then it exalts Christ as the supreme authority and that is what power is released in the gospel on this earth, is that the earth would know that Christ is the supreme authority and they would surrender to him. So our surrender, our position, the power working through us, then should promote this Jesus Christ in the world, that they would, the world itself would surrender to the same authority that we've given our life to. And then what does this power of authority give us? Well, if we, if we are surrendered and we're living in the shadow of Christ and he has all authority, Psalm 91.13 tells us that we're going to tread on the lion and the cobra and we will trample the great lion and the serpent. We will have victory over the enemy. We will have victory over strongholds. So we can go into cities and we can change them by the power of God and the authority of Christ Jesus, that nothing can stand against us that there would be no evil that would prevail, no plans of the enemy to destroy, to destroy lives. Like, that's what he wants to do. If you want to think about anyone in this room right now, people who don't know Jesus, think about one of your family members who doesn't know Jesus. The enemy's plans is to destroy them. But we have Christ's authority that we can go into that person's life and we can help trample the enemy for them. Because we're going to pray. We're going to intercede. We're going to speak truth to them so that Jesus would be exalted in their life and they would surrender. And so this goes to the power to proclaim. The message of the cross is the very power of God. So it's this gospel. Acts 1.8 says, if we continue, it's two verse, or it's a couple verses down from what we started off with. But you, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the disciples positioned themselves to receive the promise. The promise came through power and now they have power to proclaim. And that's what Jesus was doing. He's like, you will then become my witnesses. And so Acts 2.14 what does Peter do after they get filled? 2.14 says that he lifted up his voice. Proclaiming the gospel releases the power of God to make it prosper. So we have to be declaring the gospel in his word and who Jesus Christ is. And that's exactly what Peter did. So revival will be a time to proclaim. 
And we're going to see the salvation of the Lord because Peter preached the gospel and 3,000 people were added to them that day. So I believe when revival comes that that's what it's going to be. We're all going to have the boldness because it's the power of God in our life to preach and proclaim the excellencies of Christ, the gospel. In Psalm 91, 16, the last verse, it says, with long life, will I satisfy you and I'm going to show you my salvation. I don't want to just be saved from the enemy all the time. I want to be in such a place that I dwell that I'm saving other people from hell and torment. I don't want to be the one that's constantly tormented. That's not my place. That's not my position. My position is in heaven with Christ. And so therefore, I can actually help preach the gospel to those who are being tormented and set those captives free. I'm no longer a captive. You're no longer a captive. We're called to those captives to be a witness for what Jesus has done in our own life because the power of God is at work in us. That's what Paul said. It's this power that's at work in you. So we're being sanctified. We're being purified. We've been given the authority through Christ to be his witnesses of this power. And so the Holy Spirit... He is not a lake. He is a river. He is not meant to stay inside of you, but he's made to flow through you. This power of God isn't made to be damned up inside of you that only we can experience. But that's why we overcome with the blood of the Lamb and the testimony. So your testimony is so powerful. So as we dwell, as we're getting delivered, as God is saving us, as he's sanctifying us, like that is our testimony of the Holy Spirit to flow out of us into the world, that we will see signs and miracles and wonders because of this power. We haven't let Holy Spirit just be unto ourself. He's ready and dying to get out. Like, if anyone is excited about revival in this city, it is the Holy Spirit because he has heard every single prayer. He has declared every single promise of God from heaven to believers to proclaim it out. Like he is so excited and he is ready to ignite it whenever God's power comes. And that's, I believe he was the same way with the disciples. He was so excited when they went into the upper room. I mean, he was just dying to come down on earth, like so happy. And so that, cause he's joy, right? Like the Holy Spirit is so full of joy. Um, and so first Peter, Peter writes about this and he says, but you are a chosen, in first Peter 2, 9 through 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. But this is where we get it, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is your position. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. You've been abiding in the shadow of the Almighty, but why? What's the purpose of your position? Peter says it's to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. Our life has to be proclaiming everything Christ, who he is, what he's done, that he can be exalted among the earth and the nations. And so it's the power of God flowing in us that Jesus would be glorified through us. This is what the power we're waiting on So the goal of revival is not to get a platform. It's not to get more Instagram followers. It's not to be cool in the Christian realm. It's not to see a cool miracle. It is that Jesus Christ would be glorified. And if that is not your heart's position for revival, then we don't want it. 
it has to be about Jesus. It cannot be about us. It can't be about the church. It cannot be about that the church would be magnified. If Christ is not magnified, it will fail. And all of our efforts will be for nothing. All of our prayers will be for nothing. If our heart's position is not, if it's not for Jesus to be magnified and exalted in the earth. And so that's another way is when Christ becomes big and we experience this power, again, we don't want to be out of the shadow where it's about us. That the world looks at the church and thinks, oh, they, it makes it about them. I want revival to come so when the world looks at the church and sees all the work that God has done, they praise Jesus. Like that's what we want. Every miracle should be about Jesus. And so, as I'm ending, I feel like I had a word for just the awakening body as I was preparing this morning, uh, or yesterday morning, um, because I do believe that the church is positioning herself before God, and he is about to pour out his power by his spirit, and there's going to be a great proclamation of Jesus Christ throughout the nations like never before. Um, so if you're here today or if you're watching or a part of the awakening, I just feel like this is what God just wanted to declare of this over us. And I feel like he said, you have positioned yourself before me. Each time you've said yes to me and surrendered to my will, I have been positioning you. Some of you have not been aware of my hand in this season, but I have been surrounding you with myself. I have been covering you with the shadow of my wings. Trust me and get ready for what I am going to do in the earth. Look up, look up for release of my glory. And so I just, I'll pray for us. That was all that I had. But I just want you guys to feel encouraged that when we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, we get the providence of God. Wait for his power. It's coming to you. Again, if you need freedom today, it's here. Even today, the power of God wants to be released into your life. And so I just would love to pray over you guys. Um, this word. So Jesus, God, thank you so much that you long for us to dwell in your protection, in your comfort, in your love. That Jesus, you even told the Pharisees, you said, oh, if only you would have let me, you told Jerusalem, if only you would have let me just taken you up under my wings like a chicken does with its chicks. He's longed for it. He's longed to just gather us in his arms. So God, I pray this morning that every person's life here, you are positioning them in certain places, God. You are preparing them, Lord. God, you're strategically moving them to where they're supposed to be placed in this city and in this state and in this country and in this um, nation, in this country and in the world, God. So I pray that you would give us the grace to just rest in you. Because you know what you say? You say we rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's not work, God. Your love isn't work. We get to rest in the bosom of you, God. So I pray that our time with you, God, our, the season of positioning would be rest. And it wouldn't be work but that we would get to see your love like never before, that your power would be manifested through us in our workplaces, in our families, in this city, God. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come, and if there is something that is damning up the power in our life, maybe it's a foul or snare we've gotten trapped in. Maybe we've gotten hit by the arrow of the enemy, and we feel wounded. 
God, Psalm 91 says that you shall deliver us and save us. So God, I pray right now for each person here, Lord, if there is a place where they feel that way, God, would you come and touch their heart, Lord? Would you bind up their broken heart, bind up every wound that the enemy may have struck with his arrow? Lord, and lead us back. Like Travis said, that you're calling us up the mountain. Call us into position, God. Lord, I also pray if also that we would be open to that. If you have a new position for us and we've resisted it, God, let us submit to you in this new position, God, that we wouldn't be afraid, that we wouldn't want to stop our ears up because we would be too afraid of what you would speak because it would, it would take courage and it would take surrender and it would take too much trust. So God, I pray you'd break down those barriers right now. Break down those walls that we would say yes to you no matter what. Because we will never be satisfied with just a little. We want all of you or nothing, God. We want all of you in our life, God. Would you come, Jesus, Holy Spirit, that every person this week would experience a new mercy from you. You're positioning us for freedom. You're getting your army ready, God. And we love you, Jesus, because we want to see you exalted in the earth. In every nation, in every tongue, would Christ be magnified. So God, send your reign, send your revival reign that we can look to you, Jesus, that we will keep our eyes on you. We will look up. Even if seasons come in this world, God, that it's scary or unknown, Lord, that we would not take our eyes off of you. We would not look down at the bottom of the mountain because when you're on a cliff and you're looking over, we get filled with fear, but God, we will keep our eyes on you. And we will keep surrendering to you because we love you, God. Thank you for your father heart. Thank you, God, that you're a father. And you fathered us all into position. You didn't judge us into position. You didn't condemn us into position. But you have fathered us into position, your church. And you will continue fathering us into the position of dwelling in your bosom and under the shadow so we just love you, God, today, and we bless you.